Well, good morning, Journey Church. It's good to see you. You know, if, if this is your home, if, if you've been coming for a long time, uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you for being the church. You know, the church isn't this building. It's not this campus. The church is you. And uh, so thank you for being, for being the church. Thank you for being a part of the bride of Christ. And so if, if you haven't been coming long, or maybe this is your first day, uh, I just want to say a special welcome to you, and, and I hope that when you walked in the door, I say this a lot, I hope that when you came in that you felt like this was your home, uh, because that's our goal, it's what we shoot for. And so uh, thank you for choosing to worship with us, and, and I'll just say what I say to all the folks that uh, celebrate recovery every Thursday, and I keep coming back, so we're happy that you're all here. Today we're going to be looking uh, at 1 Corinthians. We've been doing this slow walk through uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be looking specifically at chapter 15. And in these verses, the Apostle Paul is kind of making the case for the resurrection. And he's making the case by talking about our resurrected bodies. What's going to happen sometime in the future for all of us. And I'll be real honest with you, this stuff is kind of confusing to me. Uh, really, it's not very logical to think about how when we die, our bodies are going to come back to life. We're going to be resurrected uh, back to life. And so, you know, it, I'm, I, I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure a lot of you folks probably struggle with that whole concept. And uh, we, we're certainly not alone because the people in the church of Corinth were apparently struggling with the same concept themselves. Because Paul, that's what he's dealing with. Uh, when, when he's talking to the church of Corinth, you know, they were having trouble with this idea. It says in chapter 15, verses 12 through 13, but, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you then say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And so as hard as it might be to understand this concept of resurrection. The fact of the matter is, according to Scripture, we're all going to be resurrected to life from death. We'll be resurrected with new bodies long after these bodies are gone. And so as far as what are, the, what are these new, these re- resurrected bodies, as far as what that's going to be like, what they're going to look like, what, what it's going to be like for us, I can tell you with great confidence, uh, and I can tell you truthfully that I really don't know. I just don't. I mean, the Bible just doesn't give us a whole lot. It gives us some glimpses, but it just really doesn't tell us a whole lot about what those resurrected bodies will be like. So, but we're going to explore that together as we, as we walk through this important book of the Bible. When I, when I think about our human bodies, I kind of think about cars. You know, I bought two new cars, I think, in my lifetime. Uh, we had a lot of cars, but just two of them have been brand new. And you know, there's nothing like that new car smell. You know, they claim they, they've bottled that and you can buy that scent, but you know, I'm not really buying it. It's just not the same as having that new car smell. And you know, when you get that new car, I remember when I got it, I would go out and check in the driveway because that car had no scratches on it, not one blemish at all. And when you turn that key, starts right up. And that engine's not making any noise. I think the exhaust even smells different on a new car. I really do. Um, But you know, after time, sooner or later, you're going to get that first scratch, that first ding. And you know what? That's, That's kind of upsetting. But you know, as time goes on, that brand new shiny car starts to look a little bit more rougher and rougher 
as the days go by. And then things start going bad. Brakes are consumable, they wear out. And so you have to replace those. You know, the, the alternators are consumable items. You have to replace those. Things start messing up on cars, and pretty soon you're just spending money just to keep the thing running. Because cars wear out. They wear out. It seems like when they're brand new, they're going to last forever. But you know, they don't. They don't. You know, I've owned maybe, I don't know, I would guess maybe 20 cars in my lifetime. And I'll be honest with you, some of my socks lasted longer than some of those cars. Now, I don't know if that says something about my cars or my socks, but you all can decide that for yourself. But cars wear out. And you know what? They're also, they're a really bad investment. You've heard this statement that, you know, as soon as the wheels hit the pavement, as soon as you drive off the lot, it's worth a lot less. And if you finance it, if you finance it 100%, when you drive it off the lot, it's usually it's worth less than what you actually owe. And you know, I can't stand that. That drives me crazy to be what's called upside down on a car. It just makes me nervous. And so I, I hate payments and I avoid them at all costs. And so some of the cars that I've driven, you can probably tell that I, I'm, I'm, I stay away from payments. You know, my last truck, I had that truck for a long time. I put maybe 150,000 miles on it. But you know, the engine blew up on it a couple of years ago. I was driving down the road. I noticed the power was kind of going away and then the, then the dash lights lit up and the oil pressure went to zero and, and the engine was gone. Just no fixing it. And so I was thinking, okay, here you go. I got to buy another car. But you know what? I came up with a better option. Um, I changed the engine in it. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I found a used engine, and I put the used engine in it, and I got it back up and running because that was a whole lot cheaper than buying a new truck, and I, and I, kept, I, I, I avoided paying payments on it. And so, but, you know, what, what happens when you do that? When you put a different engine in a car, it devalues it. I don't know if you knew that. that they, they say that how they state that is the serial numbers don't match anymore. The serial number of the engine doesn't match the serial number of the car, and that makes it worth less. But, you know, I didn't care at the time. I got it back up and running. I didn't have any major debt. I never had to add to my payments or anything, and so I was happy. And it lasted me, I don't know, probably 80,000 miles. Now it's, now it's really gone, and it would be crazy for me to put more money into it now. But just like cars, our bodies are going to wear out. I am very keenly aware of that these days. Randy, I don't know where he is, but he would, he would agree with me. He's wearing this sling around where he's had some reconstruction on a shoulder. I don't know if it was Lori or Randy that they had the theory that we're both falling apart right now because we bought these small farms and we've been working on those after, after living in offices for 30 years. And so maybe, maybe that's a good theory. Um, I'm not sure, but all I know is this body is wearing out. And uh, time is not going to be good on all of us, on our, on our human bodies. I remember my dad telling me when he was in his 50s, talking about, you know, the, all the aches and pains. You know, I never took him seriously about that. And I, I remember even poking fun at him, even making fun of him a little bit. But you know what? He's been gone for about seven years. I wish I could apologize to him. I really do, because I get it now. Uh, he's probably looking down at me saying, yep, yep. I told you. And so I just, 
I just didn't take it very seriously. I didn't have any clue what he was going through. Uh, but my joints are, are, are really in bad shape. Uh, they really are. My, actually, my good knee is now worse than my bad knee, if, if that makes any sense. And, so, and my left hip is gone. I mean, it is absolutely gone. As a matter of fact, uh, and I'm going to find out. Um, I'm going to find out Tuesday. Uh, but I would think that probably before the end of this year, I'm going to speculate that my serial numbers aren't going to match anymore. <laughs> I think I'm going to be setting off metal detectors uh, before too long. And so, you know, when I was young, I felt like I was invincible. I lifted stuff that I shouldn't have lifted. You know, I played high-impact sports. I, uh, I ran in my 20s, you know, 30 miles a week, all that good stuff. So I, I brought this on a lot myself, so I abused my body. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like a car. You know, my body is starting to show its age, just like a car wears out. And so that's what's going to happen to all of us. These bodies just aren't going to last. And, you know, when a car loses its value, or when a car starts to wear out, it loses its value, and it becomes a burden to us. It becomes kind of an expense. So, so what happens when our body wears out? You know, if, if you, I looked this up, if you take the chemical composition of the human body and you value up all of the different materials that make up a human body, they claim that it's worth about $576. Now, I thought that was a lot lower, but we are living in a time of inflation right now. But $576 is how much uh, a human body is said to be worth. And so I wonder how you depreciate that over the years. I wonder how that works. But you know what? Even if it was worth $576 when we die, there's really not a market for it. Nobody wants to buy it. Now, you might be able to donate it to science or something like that. It's actually going to cost you a lot of money just to dispose of it. And so it's really not worth that much. But, you know, as far as depreciation, sometimes when I wake up in the morning, uh, I think I'm worth about 75 bucks. I mean, that's, that's how bad it feels sometimes. And you know what? I will say this, though. Even though we know that our bodies are wearing out, even though we understand as Christians where we're going to be, I still find myself holding on to this life. I still find myself clinging to this life, and, and I'm probably not alone in that. There's an old country song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, and nobody wants to die. And I think I don't care where you are on your spiritual journey, I think you can relate to that song title. I think all of us tend to do that. We're willing to do a lot to preserve this, this life that we have here on this ball of dirt. You know, my friend, my best friend in the world, Ray, has a, a stepniece that was just diagnosed with uh, aggressive cancer. And her prognosis is three years. And, but they told her that the doctor said, we can probably extend that to five years uh, if you agree to an aggressive uh, treatment plan, including a disfiguring surgery. And so she initially refused that treatment. And he was having some trouble with that. And he asked me, he said, is that a, a lack of faith on her part? Will, that, will she pay for that in the end? Will that doom her because she's not taking this treatment? And you know, I, I didn't understand his question at first, but you know what? I, I wanted to pray about it because I wanted to give him a God answer and not a Tony answer. And so I took some time and then I responded to him. And I told him, I said, you know, first thing, 
it's really not up to me who goes to heaven or hell. It's not up to me. Jesus is going to save who Jesus is going to save, and he's not going to care what I think about it. And so I really can't make that determination, and I don't want to. But, but I did tell him that I thought maybe she was choosing three good years of her life over five torturous years uh, because maybe she knows there's something better on the other side of this existence. So she was choosing this, this, this life that she had, something she could salvage with her family instead of this pain that she would endure uh, just to get another couple of years. You know, Jesus dealt with this kind of thinking. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. And so I would say it's more of a problem if we cling to this life, if we choose this life over the next life, if we forego the decision to accept Christ as our Savior and live it up now, not thinking about what's on the other side. Now, now I don't want you to to misunderstand me. Life is valuable. Human life is a gift uh, from God. It really is. And I think that we are given this life for a singular purpose, and that's to honor and to glorify God with our bodies. And I think we should leverage this life that we have to do just that, to love God first and foremost, to love people, and to make disciples that multiply. That's our purpose. That's why we're alive. It can all be wrapped up into that Matthew 28 uh, Great Commission. That's why God put us here. But, but if we cling to this life and we neglect preparing for the next life, I think we're missing the mark, and that's the very definition of sin. These earthly bodies that we live in, like I said, they've got a purpose, and we're here to honor God. And we should be good stewards of our body. We should take care of them uh, so that they can be used for God's glory. But these bodies, like I said before, they're just not meant to last. We're all going to die. Like that old saying, and it's so true, none of us are getting out of this alive. We're, we all have the same future in, the, in these physical bodies. And the future for these bodies, these physical bodies that we have, it's not a good one. It's not a good one. As soon as we die, we start to decompose. I don't want to get too morbid, but when, when the blood flow stops in our body, the, the blood that's flowing to all of our organs and our cells and everything provides nutrients, and when that stops, immediately we start to decay. That's, that's a physiological fact. You know, in our times, we slow down that process after we die by pumping the body full of chemicals, full of embalming fluid. But even with our best efforts, we're still going to decay. Even with the best efforts of preservation, it's all going to end the same. It doesn't really matter how good the casket we get put in or how sealed the vault is that we have. Our bodies over time are going to decay. You know, when I was writing this, I was thinking about Vladimir Lenin. I don't know if you know the story, but his body is actually on display in Moscow. I think it's still on display. But he died a long, long time ago, but they put him in this kind of glass casket, and they pumped it full of, of special chemicals and air and all this stuff, and they embalmed him in a certain way, and they wanted to preserve him for the ages. And they got this weird custom that when you're married, you're supposed to go visit the body of Lenin. I don't quite understand that, but that's what they do. But, but as, as scientifically accurate, as all the stuff that they do to preserve this guy's body, they've had to really work on it. 
because his nose fell off and his, and his ears fell off. And so I don't know how they put those back on. But, but the bottom line is, no matter how well, how good we try at preserving these bodies, the end is not going to be real, real good. You know, cremation has become um, a lot more prevalent these days. Mainly, I think it's because of cost. I think an average funeral cost now is about 20000 bucks. Uh, a cremation is a couple of thousand dollars. And it's also about space because, you know, after generation and generation and generation, and we, we put our bodies in the ground in these sealed boxes, you know, we're running out of real estate. You know, the world is only so big. And so it's, it's an advantage cost-wise, and it's an advantage uh, for space. But some people really don't like the idea of that process, the process of cremation. I know my mother told me once, she said, I, please don't get cremated because I can't stand the thought of you being burned up. And I said, okay, are you okay with me being placed in the ground to be food for worms? You know, it's, the, neither one of the options is really good. Um, some people even say this, to say, how can we be resurrected if our bodies are burned up? And, and you know, um, I, I just, sometimes I don't understand that. I would say that you have just as good a chance of being resurrected after being cremated as you would uh, being in the ground for 100 years uh, or 50 years or whatever. You know, in Jesus's time, embalming wasn't even a thing. And so in, in that era, uh, when you died, you, you reached a pretty high level of decomposition just in a few days. And so I remember, you know, and the tradition was, and they would have family tombs, and after about a year, they would go in because the bodies would be skeletalized at that time, and they would just gather the bones, and they put them in a small box. And that made room for the other family members to occupy the same tomb. You know, in John 11, when Jesus was approaching the tomb of Lazarus, you know, it was Mary and Martha that warned him, it's like, it's going to smell really bad because he'd been in the tomb for three days. Yet Jesus resurrected his decaying body to life and he was walking around. Jesus' own body was in the tomb for three days, but yet the power of the Holy Spirit resurrected him to life. You know, we have some pretty horrific tragedies in our world uh, like the 9-11 towers, when they collapsed, there wasn't a whole lot left of the folks that were in there. And so that happens. Maybe bodies are actually sometimes vaporized in accidents. So I'm not trying again to be more, but what I'm getting at is this. If God can, can create man from the dust, he can resurrect the same. See, what I'm saying is, is we don't need to put limits on a limitless God. I see nothing in the scripture that says we need to try to perfectly preserve our bodies waiting for Christ to come back. And so what I'm saying is I just want to avoid putting Jesus in a box of saying what he can and can't do. I don't ever want to be guilty of that. See, Jesus in his resurrected state was omnipotent. He took on the, the characteristics of God. He's all powerful. There's no limit to what Jesus can do. None whatsoever. So, and, and I want to say this, I'm not trying to sell you on cremation. I'm, I'm not trying to do that because I think whether it's cremation or a traditional burial, there's no right or wrong answer. All I'm trying to say is we just need to be careful about underestimating the power of God's resurrection. So moving on, let's, let's look at verses 40 and 42. Paul says this, 
There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another and the stars another. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. I love this metaphor that Paul is using of the seed here. You know, I I love the metaphor of of winter and spring. You know, the gray death of winter, you know, makes way for the, for the green life of spring. And, and so it's a wonderful metaphor about the resurrection. And so I started a garden this year. I started it kind of late, and then we had a drought, and now the rain won't stop. And so it's been kind of slow, uh, but I do have fruit setting on. You know, one of my, one of the best plants that's, that's thriving right now are my pumpkins. I love to make pumpkin pie, so I was making some, I was growing some pie pumpkins, and I, I, I just planted, I sowed just a handful of pumpkin seeds, and now I've got vines are taking over the garden, and I've got a lot of pumpkins that are already starting to get ripe, but those massive vines that I'm seeing all over the garden, weaving through my corn and everything else, those started with a little tiny seed. I put that seed in the ground, and that seed died. And then through that death, this whole new plant showed up and all this fruit that we see just from a single seed. So what's better, the seed or the fruit? Paul's likening our physical bodies to that of a seed. Yeah, and, and our perfected and our resurrected body, that's the fruit. And so our physical death leads to a spiritual rebirth. Paul says this, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. We all know about the first Adam. We know about the Adam that was placed in the garden that God created to have dominion over all creation, over all nature. And I love this description of the, the incarnate Christ, the human Christ, who lived on this earth, who was like us in every way. He was referred to as the second Adam, man as God intended man to be. And here, Paul is calling Jesus the last Adam. So Jesus in his resurrected state, Adam was a physical being. Adam was a physical being, while Jesus is now a life-giving spirit. See, Adam had to die. And then the incarnate Christ The human of Christ had to die to bring about this life-giving spirit that gives us life so we can live a life of eternity with him. The seed that was sown died and gave way to the life that we have available to us. And I'm telling you, that's about the simplest presentation of the gospel I think you can give. And it's all about Jesus. I take God at his word when he says we're going to have a resurrected body. Like I said, I'm not all that clear what exactly that's going to look like, but it's sure got to be a lot better than the body that we've got right now. It, it must be. The human body is a miracle. 
It's a miracle. You know, all the things that have to happen, all the chemical reactions, all of the electrical impulses, everything that has to happen every millisecond just to keep us alive. That's a miracle, folks. And that's, we're, we're God's creation. And that's proof of the creator. You know, I'm 56 years old. The hip that God gave me is 56 years old. If they replace mine, you know, it'll be good if it lasts 15 years. Even with all of the technology and everything else, they'll never be able to duplicate what God has created. It's never going to happen. But as amazing as these bodies are, they're going to wear out and they're going to die. But someday, you know, death is just, isn't just going to be a thing, folks. Death isn't going to be a problem because Jesus was resurrected. We're all going to be resurrected. And as clueless as I might be about it, I think the Bible does give us some glimpses of what that might be like. Let's, let's look at the book of Luke where it says this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do, you doubt, why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It's myself. Touch me and you'll see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I do. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, were sti- while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. See, Luke is painting a picture of the resurrected Jesus here in these scriptures. See, Jesus appeared to his disciples sometimes through locked doors, sometimes just appeared out of nowhere. You remember that first Adam had dominion of all nature. And, you know, I think Jesus as the second Adam had the same. That's why he could quell the storms and walk on water. But maybe what we're seeing here is the limitations that Jesus had in his humanity and his incarnate, incarnate state are either diminished or gone in the resurrected state. God may have just given us a picture of the resurrected life uh, of Christ so that we would know what we've got to look forward to. But to wrap it up, I'll say this. Whatever it's going to look like, whatever it may be, whatever this resurrected body is going to take form of, there's one thing I know for sure. Our new lives are going to be devoid of death. They're going to be devoid of misery. You know, I've been pastoring some people that are, that are struggling with depression and a lot of other things. That, that's not going to happen in this resurrected life that we have. All the grief, you know, we've, we've had a, a, a friend of the family who died in a plane crash. That's, that's going to be gone. None of that's going to happen. I think in our resurrected bodies, we'll be productive and we'll be happy to worship the life-giving spirit that we know as Jesus Christ. Uh, how I'm going to end this today is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have a song that's coming up. But first, what I want to say, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ into your life, 
if you don't have that resurrected life to look forward to, you know, today would be the day to make that happen. Today would be the day to set that all in motion. And if that's you today, I would ask you to come forward. I'd love to talk to you. We've got a bunch of people that can support you here. And so don't walk out of here. We don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we could walk out of here and it could be our last day. We might not have, we might not have one more minute. So don't, don't wait if that's you. And also, if you're struggling with some things and you need someone to pray with, you know, I'll be up here. We'll have a couple other people that'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you. But, you know, I don't, you don't need an intermediary. You don't need me. And so I'm also going to invite you to come up. And let's, 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 let's occupy this space in the front uh, just, to, just to pray to God as a form of worship. You can come up in pairs. You come up by yourself. You know, I'm going to keep asking this, folks, because this, this is a powerful thing. We want this place to be a house of prayer. And so whatever is keeping you glued to your seats, I would ask you just to let that go. Just to let that go and come up as this last song plays, and let's just deal with God together. Let's just worship Him. Let's just talk to Dad. And so I'm going to invite you, as, as soon as I finish praying and as the song starts, please come up. And uh, let's worship God together. Let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, man, we just thank you. What a privilege it is to gather in, in this house today. Just for the purpose of worshiping you and praising you, that this creator, I mean, we're walking proof, God, that you are, that you are real. Things we can't explain, but it doesn't matter. God, I can't explain why you love us. I really don't. As, as obstinate as we can be, as selfish as we can be, you still uh, reach out to us and you still want to hear our voice. I don't understand it, but God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you're a, you're a forgetful God, that you're willingly forgetful. You don't care about our past. You just care about today. God, we love you, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.